1: We're going somewhere dark, somewhere dangerous. Most people would never dare enter the place we're going. There's no telling what horrors we'll find, what terrors we'll uncover. Don't say I didn't warn you. We might discover terrible monsters lurking there. Be careful, they could follow you out. Or maybe they're already inside you. Are you afraid? Good, now you are ready to enter the warning woods. I have a very particular set of skills. Isn't that what Liam Neeson says in Taken? I don't know if I've ever related to a movie line more. Oh, except for maybe the one from The Sixth Sense. Yes, that one. I believe I was born with my abilities, although I can't remember seeing any shadows before I was six. It's entirely possible I was seeing them at younger stages, but didn't have the comprehension to notice them. They are easy to miss if I'm not being observant. I probably have missed dozens over the years. The first one I saw, when I was six, was thankfully quite innocent. I had been perched on my heels on the sidewalk at the end of our driveway. It had recently been rebuilt so the concrete surface was still perfectly smooth, excellent for chalking. I had maybe been chalking for an hour when a woman's shadow crossed over my rendition of Clifford the Big Red Dog. I had been so focused on perfecting one of Clifford's big red paws that the shadow caught me completely off guard and I fell back on my butt. I looked up bashfully, but no one was there. I looked down at the shadow, but it was gone too. When I turned my head to check the proportions of one paw against the other, I saw the shadow further down the sidewalk. It was moving. It followed the sidewalk down my street, and I lost sight of it at the corner. Had I been a little older, I might have followed it. I wasn't afraid, as some children might have been, only curious. However, I wasn't supposed to go beyond our yard on my own because sometimes bad guys try to trick little kids, and my parents didn't want me to get tricked like my friend Dean. Dean never came back after he got tricked. I told Dad about the lady's shadow, and he responded using the same voice he would use when I told him I was a pirate or the crocodile hunter. Well, what do you know, isn't that neat? He thought I was just pretending. I wasn't mad at him, but it made me a little sad that I didn't have anyone to share my bizarre experience with, and a little nervous that no one could explain it to me. My parents had always been able to explain weird stuff to me before. Like when Grandma Charlene used to shout about faces in the walls of her apartment. My parents had explained what dementia was then. One day, Grandma Charlene told me she didn't have dementia. She said she wasn't crazy. I hurried up and told Mom about this because I thought it sounded like an important bit of information. But Mom assured me people with dementia don't know they have it. Well, let me tell you. That scared me more than any shadows ever have. And then there was the way mom died. It took dad a long time to explain that to me, mostly because he was too sad to talk about it for a while. I was pretty young when it happened, probably four, maybe five. I remember one day mom's hair was just gone. I remember hearing her throw up in the toilet a lot and she didn't like to play pretend with me anymore. Then, I remember one day she fell in the kitchen, and dad took her away, and I never saw her again. When my dad told me about cancer, I asked, did the cancer take her hair away? My dad, bless his heart, told me no, it was the chemo that did that, and the chemo that made her puke all the time. Now this was a big mistake on my dad's part, because a little kid just can't understand why the treatment for an illness makes someone more sick. He had no hope of helping me comprehend it, but he tried. By God, he tried. How did we get to my mom? Oh, right, I didn't have anyone to explain the strange shadow I had seen. I got excited after seeing the next one because I was with my dad when it happened. I was eight and we were at Walmart. Have you ever noticed your shadow at Walmart? Probably not. I never had. All those white lights overhead sort of wash any shadows out, I guess. But I think part of the reason people don't notice shadows at Walmart or any big department store like that is they make sense. What I mean is, they're supposed to be there. Our eyes sort of tune them out the way our ears get used to the sound of the air conditioner at home. I think that's why I noticed the shadow I saw at Walmart. Because it shouldn't have been there. Dad was looking through the $5 movies for something new to watch that night and I was standing by his side, staring at the wall of TVs in the back of the electronics section. Movement down low caught my eye, and I looked and saw the faintest patch of darkness creeping along the floor in front of a rack of gift cards. The shadow was much fainter than the sidewalk woman, but I looked at my own shadow and saw it, too, was barely visible. I lied and told my dad I was going to look at the video games. He told me just to stay where he could see me. I walked over to that rack of gift cards and watched the shadow up close. When I focused hard enough, I could make out a hand on one side of it. Since the lights were directly above us, the rest of the shadow just looked like a shapeless blob. I went back to Dad and begged him to come see the shadow. I pointed it out, even traced part of it on the floor with my finger, but Dad said he couldn't see anything there. I asked him to try harder, but he just pulled me out of the electronics aisle. His name's Brock. A gruff voice said behind us. We both turned and saw a scruffy, leather faced employee in a wheelchair. He had rolled over to the spot I had just seen the shadow. I'm sorry? Dad asked. The employee pointed at me and smiled a crooked, popcorn smile as he said, The boy knows. I didn't. Not really. But at least I had gotten some sort of confirmation that I wasn't crazy. I didn't have dementia like Grandma Charlene. The employee knew exactly what I was talking about when he overheard me trying to show my dad the shadow. I saw three different doctors throughout my childhood. They all seemed particularly concerned with my eyesight, which they frequently checked and always found to be perfect. Something about my eyes worried them, though. One of them mentioned the pigment of my irises. I remember this clearly because I wanted to look it up later on my own. I looked up the word iris, and pigment, then the two together, then various combinations of those words with others like bad, weird, strange, etc. But I couldn't find anything helpful. I asked Dad to explain why the doctors were so concerned with my iris pigment, but he told me he didn't know, and I think he was being honest. Sometimes he told me he didn't know things so he wouldn't have to explain them to me, but when it came to iris pigments... I think he was genuinely as clueless as 8-year-old me. My eyes do have an interesting sort of grayish-blue color that I can't say I've ever seen in another person. Dad says the blue started to show up as I got older, and that my eyes were originally just gray. I've seen pictures and can confirm that my eyes were once almost charcoal gray. I must say I'm glad the blue started showing up because I looked sort of creepy as a kid. My dad and I had to move out of our house when I was nine. It was too big for the two of us anyway. My dad told me he and mom were planning on having more kids and had been trying to get pregnant when the cancer got mom. We looked at a few apartments together. Most of them were too small, too dingy, or too expensive. Dad finally found one he really liked, but I forced him not to take it. I felt really bad about it, but there was a problem he just couldn't see. It was in the master bedroom. The landlord was showing us around and opened up the curtains. Sunlight poured in as if it were the Colorado River and the curtain had been the Hoover Dam. It was quite nice, actually. It lit up the room with a warm, energizing glow that made it feel very homey. That is, until the landlord showed Dad the closet opposite the window. He pulled back the wooden sliding door and the sunlight hit the closet's back wall. And clear as day, I saw the perfect outline of a man hanging there. I screamed and started to cry. Dad rushed to my side to ask what was wrong. I told him to look in the closet and he said he didn't see anything there. I explained what I was seeing to him and he told me to calm down. That there was no hanged man in the closet. But the landlord looked like he had been the one who had just seen a ghost. He said... This is probably a bad time to mention this, but I'm legally required to. The previous tenant committed suicide in here. He, um, hanged himself. In this closet. The hanged man's shadow traumatized me. For some time, I avoided any shadows lingering around without their owners. I stopped investigating the strange things I saw. My curiosity had become fear, which eventually became a constant, looming, debilitating anxiety. Dad started taking me to various therapists and psychiatrists to try to help me, but no matter how much I talked or what medications they made me take, I still saw the shadows. It wasn't until I was 16 that I had a breakthrough. As I'm sure you can imagine, I didn't grow into an ordinary teenager. No one was coming up to me and saying, you should go out for football or who are you going to take to homecoming? My social circle in high school may as well have been the shadows I'd been seeing since childhood. My friends were reserved and generally overlooked by the rest of the student population. We all wore dark clothes and listened to type O negative, nine-inch nails, and Deftones tones when we were together. In private, I think most of us were more into Dashboard Confessional and Lana Del Rey, though. I wouldn't have called myself a goth, but if that label helps you get the picture, go ahead and use it. Anyway, I could be wide open about the mysterious shadows with this group of outcasts. Sometimes I saw them when we were all together, and I would try to point them out. I remember one time a girl named Rachel, although she went by ratchet like the nurse from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, tried to pretend like she could see the shadow of a woman walking towards the pond behind the school. I didn't believe her, so I started to lie, saying things like, I think she's turning around now, and, oh, there she goes towards the cherry tree. Rachel slash Ratchet went right along with everything I said as the woman's shadow actually walked a line towards the pond as straight as a balance beam. When the shadow reached the pond, there was an enormous splash. Everyone stopped to gape at the water, including me. I had never seen a shadow affect the world physically before. Since I had been misdirecting Rachel slash Ratchet, I said something like, "'Who knew the pond had fish that big?' Later on, in private, I confronted Rachel slash Ratchet and told her I knew she was faking and asked her to stop. The shadow you saw went into the pond, didn't it? She asked. Yes, I said. She made that splash you all saw, not some fish. I thought so. Rach, let's just call her Ratchet from now on since that's what I knew her as back then. So, Ratchet said, I thought so then told me she wanted to take me to her spiritualist. I was skeptical, as most people with true paranormal gifts are of psychics, mediums, and other charlatans, but I agreed to just go to humor my friend. Ratchet was 17, a year older than me, and had a 97 Ford Taurus that looked like a silver newt. She drove us downtown and parked in front of the library. I expected to get out and walk to the shops, but Ratchet went right up to the library's front steps. I thought we were going to see your spiritualist, I questioned. We are, she said excitedly. Follow me. We walked into the library, which I had barely used after watching their entire Hitchcock collection, and went into the children's area. There, Ratchet pointed to a mousy-looking woman with curly, graying hair who was reading a story to a group of wriggling three-year-olds in the corner. The woman glanced up from the book and did a quick double-take, then smiled at Ratchet. She'll be done in a minute, Ratchet assured me. Your spiritualist works at the library? Where'd you expect her to work? Ghosts are us? I rolled my eyes but smiled. She was right. I had a hard time wrapping my head around the idea that there might be, probably were, other people like me out there living ordinary lives. Or at the very least, lives that appeared ordinary on the surface. Like the wheelchair-bound employee at Walmart who had told me the shadow's name was Brock. Maybe this woman could be the real deal after all. I soon got my chance to find out. The woman finished reading the story and sang a short, obnoxious song about some guy named Chestnut Tony with the kids, then came over to us. Let's go in here, she said, leading us into one of the library's private study rooms. She flicked the light switch and shut the door. I love these rooms. They're perfectly soundproof. Glinda, this is my friend Drew, Ratchet said, introducing me. I can still feel the gut reaction I had to the woman's name. Glinda? Really? Like, the good witch? My earlier doubts immediately resurfaced. Drew, nice to meet you. I don't get to meet many of ours' friends, the good witch said. Tell her what you see, Drew. It took me a few minutes to feel comfortable with Glinda, the seemingly ordinary but still probably good, maybe witch. But as I started to tell my story, beginning with the shadow walking along the sidewalk, getting to the hanged man in the closet and ending with the splashing pond woman, I warmed to her. The whole time, the woman watched my face for something. Honesty? Deceit? I'm not sure what she was looking for, but she must have liked whatever she saw. She smiled at me when I finished, and turned to Ratchet. "'You clever girl,' she said. "'You've brought me a real one this time.' "'This time?' I asked. "'R has brought me a few young people claiming to have supernatural gifts and powers,' and I've been able to expose every one of them. But you know I'm telling the truth? I asked. Yes. As well as I know water is wet, I know you are being truthful. But how? Maybe someday I will tell you, but for now we have to confront your situation. These shadows, do they threaten you? No, I said. I had never considered it before, but no. Even the scarier ones seemed to keep to themselves. Good, she said. If one ever does, I want you to come straight to me. A threatening spirit would most likely be inhuman. But it sounds to me like you're only seeing human spirits at this point. So I should just ignore them, I asked. Oh, heavens no, they need you, Drew. You've been given your gift to aid these spirits. They're trapped here, stuck between this world and the next. It's up to you to help them move on. How do I do that? Well, they probably don't even realize they're trapped. They probably believe they are still part of the world they see around them. You must show them the truth. Show them themselves. Again, I asked, how? Glinda stood from her chair and raised a finger. Wait here, she said, and left the room. I looked at Ratchet to see if she was concerned or uncomfortable at all, but she seemed perfectly content as she sat waiting for Glinda to return. "'You really believe this lady knows what she's talking about?' I asked. "'She just trusted me right off the bat without any proof. "'I could have made that whole story up.' Ratchet replied, "'What she said about me bringing others in here is true. "'I've brought, I don't know, four or five other kids in here, "'and she's seen right through every one. "'She has this ability to see people. "'It's like she's got some kind of spirit x-ray. "'Maybe that's one of her gifts, like you can see the shadows.' A moment later, Glinda returned holding a small mirror in the palm of her left hand. She slid it across the table to me before sitting back down. Show them, she said. I started keeping the mirror in my pocket with my wallet everywhere I went. I had to wait a while for the chance to test Glinda's theory. Actually, enough time passed that I decided to go hunting for a shadow. I went, of all places, to Walmart. Looking for ghosts? They'll be down aisle four next to the ectoplasm, right? I went straight to the electronics section where I had seen the shadow, and to my surprise, the same employee with the wheelchair was looking over a display case full of phones. Excuse me, I said. You probably don't remember me, but I was here a few years ago with my dad, and I saw something... strange. You seemed like you knew what I saw. It seemed like you understood, and you said his name was... Brock. The man finished before me. You're that kid who was staring over here like you'd seen a ghost. Probably because you had, am I right? You are, I said. How did you know? The man continued working as he talked. Brock used to work here with me. We got along fine, but he wasn't a happy camper, know what I mean? With him, something was always wrong, but he could never tell you what it was. He just wasn't... mm, balanced, I guess. Something was off in his noggin. When did he stop working here? I asked, feeling sort of stupid. The man obviously knew what I was really asking. One day, after a shift, Brock ate a slug in the parking lot. He ate a slug? I asked, confused. The man stuck a finger in his mouth, imitating pulling a trigger, and snapped his head backward. Oh, that kind of slug. Yup. "'Bought the gun and bullets right over there after he got off. "'The man pointed to the sporting goods section. "'Poor guy just got in his car and blew his own head off. "'But I suppose you know as well as I do "'that wasn't the end of young Brock. "'I still feel him around here from time to time. "'I think he even moves stuff sometimes, "'rearranges shelves and whatnot. "'It's hard to really tell "'with all the customers coming and going through. "'I saw his shadow,' I said. "'The man raised an eyebrow.' When I was a kid and you saw me looking over here, it was his shadow I saw. I see them lots of places, just shadows without people attached. Well, take a look around, the man said. He's still here somewhere. He was. Brock was almost exactly where I had seen him when I was eight. I didn't say anything to him, mostly out of embarrassment. To any customers passing by, it would have looked like I was just standing in the aisle talking to a rack of gift cards. Instead, I slowly pulled Glinda's mirror out of my pocket. I held it up and whispered, barely audibly, Look, Brock. I'm not sure what he saw in the mirror, but his shadow stumbled, almost fell backward. It was already hard to see under the fluorescent lights, but I noticed it start to fade even more. In just a few seconds, it vanished. Brock had finally moved on. I have a very particular set of skills. Isn't that what I said in the beginning? Well, I do. To this day, I keep that mirror in my pocket everywhere I go. When I come across an unattached shadow, I pull the mirror out and send the shadow's spirit off to whatever comes next. I don't just see dead people, I help them. And maybe someday if the streak of tragedy that is my life comes to a sudden end, someone will help me in turn. you made it out. Congratulations. If you enjoyed the story, please rate and review this podcast wherever you like to listen. Reviews are the best way to support the podcast and help it grow. You can also become a patron at patreon.com slash the If you want more creepy content, including the images that accompany each story, follow me on Instagram at the warning woods. If you feel ready, meet me here next week for another journey into the warning woods. Thank you for listening.